0: GM, I'm Matthew Diemer, and this is GM from Decrypt. Hello, everybody. Twice in one day. Today, I am pleased to bring you a sponsored episode with Lucas Vogelsang. He's the director of Centrifuge, and Centrifuge is a company that puts real-world assets, your real-world assets, on the blockchain so you can take out loans and leverage those assets to better your life, or to buy something new, or to trade more crypto, or to go to college or pay a loan, or just to earn a little bit of money off of it. Anyway, we're going to talk about the whole concept of it. He's going to tell us how it works, why it should work, why he's doing it, and trust me, even though this is sponsored I push back. I make sure that I ask the real questions so we get down to the nitty gritty of, is this a real thing that we should be paying attention to? I hope you enjoy, and I'll see you tomorrow for our daily news. Lucas, how you doing?
1: Hey, good morning.
0: So I want to talk about Centrifuge. It's actually something I'm very interested in, and and we're talking about tokenizing assets, real world assets. If you could just give the listeners a quick one-on-one on what is Centrifuge.
1: Um, to talk about what centrifuge is, I need to talk about what DeFi is first, right? With DeFi, we're building this smart contract control, like fully automated, transparent, trustless financial system. And block by block, we're building primitives like options, exchanges, loans, right? And so far, like or in the past, like the first use case for for DeFi was to trade crypto assets. But what we're doing with real world assets is to really go where I think crypto always wanted to go, which is like actually bring all of finance on chain and allow people to use assets they already have, right? So, as opposed to like just being able to use ETH and staked ETH or other like utility tokens, right? You can actually use something like a house, or as a business, you might use revenue that you haven't received yet or payments that you haven't received yet as collateral and kind of like use DeFi for that. So, Bringing like real world assets on chain really just means that we create a secure way, from a legal and technical perspective, to kind of start using um, off chain loans, kind of like think of a mortgage or a an SME loan in in DeFi. All
0: right. So according to your website, if you are bringing this asset on chain, you are called an asset originator. Correct. How does um, a person do that? And what does that look like? Like I
1: talked about kind of bringing all the finance on chain. We focus on lending, right? So people need to borrow money for different reasons. I made a few examples. Usually when you borrow money, you go to a bank or you go to like a, an, an other asset originator, for, such as a, a mortgage broker or like a startup, for example, that allows you to, um, that gives loans to app developers against their revenue. Right, so in this example, the app developer is a is a fintech company. They they kind of like have these users that are app developers that need to that want to access maybe loans. To they use centrifuge to create basically a pool that um, different investors can provide liquidity into that they can then finance assets with. So finance different app developers, and so this asset originator kind of like sets up the structure, gives like kind of creates this link for the off chain borrowers and the ultimately the on chain investors are lenders. And so as an investor, then um, you actually start earning interest on this. So like you can take your DAI, you can go to this pool and say, I want to invest 5,000 DAI. Um, and that then is being used for these loans. And now when you get you get tokens in exchange, um, and that those accrue interest based on actually the, the real interest that exists off chain that the, those borrowers are paying.
0: Okay, so you just said DAI, that means maker or MakerDAO must be involved. What is Maker's relationship with Centrifuge and this whole ecosystem that you're building?
1: It's a very long and successful one. Um, we so we use stable coins for settling these for for settling these loans and these payments, right? Because most of these assets are actually dollar denominated, so you don't really want to lend ETH against a dollar asset. Actually, when you borrow, you want to know. You borrow $1,000 and you pay back $1,000, right? Or you borrow $1,000 DAI and you pay back $1,000 DAI. So we use DAI almost all of our pools today as a way that people provide this as, as a stable coin. But then, actually, beyond that, we were um, the first protocol to really bring real assets on chain and do so to then onboard them also into Maker as collateral. So that means that as these borrowers, I use the example of App developers, but another example is just people that want to renovate their house. That was actually that is a more realistic example. It's New Silver is is this pool. They were the first asset originator that got onboarded into Maker and about like now over one and a half years ago, I think, um, got a $15 million um, or die uh vault. So that means Ma- Maker is actually using those houses as collateral to mint die, and that. Die then goes to these borrowers that's, so they can actually renovate their house and own it, right? Um, <clears throat> and so we've done this. We've now actually in December, um, we launched our most recent pool. So that was Bot Tower launched this pool together with Maker that was over 200 and sort of a targeted size of 220 million die in in size. So this is another um, asset originator, an issuer. Um, of these pools that is working again with Maker to kind of like provide collateral for Maker and then ultimately finance borrowers in the real world.
0: I want to talk about DeFi in a little bit, uh, but when you were talking about the process of say renovations on a house and in collateral and putting your asset and taking a loan, it, it, it got, gave me some questions that we've been talking about quite a bit in the crypto space. Uh, mm-hmm. One of them is you're using your house to mint die and I know you're not a representative maker, but we are talking about what is good collateral or what are good assets to back a stable coin off of. And this has been a very big conversation uh, in the crypto space lately. Um, The other one is, is how do you make sure, and we spoke about this a little bit yesterday, um, full disclosure for everybody, this is not off the cuff. We spoke yesterday about what we're going to talk about today. Uh, But when you're renovating a house, and you take a loan on that house, and you don't pay back that loan, there has to be consequences to not paying back that loan because you're putting your asset up for collateral for this loan. How do you ensure that that asset is there for the collateral? Like, I'm, I'm personally in Cleveland, Ohio right now. I don't pay back that loan. I challenge you to come get my house. Like, How, how do you ensure <laughs> that, you, that that this house could be uh, gotten by the pool and then sold some of that, that collateral be recouped for that loan? So those are two questions, and I uh, so I just summarize it again: the stability of the asset that's backing the printing of die—that's number one. And two, I dare you try to come take my house, and then who's going to do that?
1: <laughs> yeah, happy happy to answer both of those. So maker wants to have diverse set of collateral. There's the saying: diversification is the only free lunch on Wall Street. It it doesn't cost you much, but it's actually helpful in almost every circumstance, right? Like you don't you want to avoid. Losing everything on a single deal, you want to make sure that like you have a broad base of collateral. Why? Because, for example, if maker and this was reality, maker was mostly backed by ETH, and then Black Thursday, beginning of COVID, right, happened. ETH crashed an insane amount so and there was not enough liquidity anymore there were some technical challenges but also just a massive amount of eth being liquidated because the price went down and so maker kind of was like almost like pouring fuel into fire because these c- cascading liquidations just made everything worse because more and more people were forced to sell eth right and so ended up in this like systemic risk that um came from the fact that like maker was until that point mostly backed by um very correlated collateral, right? So if I hold die, I want to make sure that <clears throat> no matter what happens, um, <clears throat> I always have a dollar worth of collateral. If I told you that like, well, as long as this one person pays back the house, you have a dollar, then I'd say, well, that's not really a dollar because really like a hurricane could come and tear down a house. The a fire could burn it down. The neighborhood might just become super unpopular and the house goes down in value. So, like, that's obviously not a good idea, right? So, Maker does the same. Maker has to manage portfolio. Um, and that means they want to have many different uncorrelated assets. So, for that reason, like, the only way that Maker can actually be safe is by not just having crypto collateral, which today is still very largely correlated, right? You all know when Bitcoin takes a dump, everything else takes a dump when bitcoin rallies we know usually everything else goes up as well so you can't use just that as collateral you actually need others because there's kind of like this it 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 gives you like safety because now instead of like 100% of your value, value disappearing like maybe your own like eth is only 5% of the portfolio and so that's that's like long line of answer to the first question second question right like people use houses and other assets as collateral all the time to borrow money yeah, it's not as simple as putting a token in a smart contract and relying on the smart contract to actually hold it as collateral. But the same concept exists in the legal world.
0: Right. So it, I guess what I'm asking with that is yeah. like wh- when I do borrow my house here and I do it through Chase Bank over here, Chase will come take my house. And they'll do that through the law enforcement or the legal procedures that yeah. are available within the state of Ohio. I guess what I'm asking is Maker or you, or do you guys have those procedures and will they follow those? Yeah. Is it lawful
1: so so how this works is actually right and this is one of the big reasons why like we, we created these pools it's effectively like think of it as a credit fund so you have someone that manages the fund that's the asset originator or the issuer and then you have different borrowers and you have different investors the manager of this fund the issuer they compile the loans and they service them so this means they make sure that the payments happen they convert the dollars to die when the repayments come in, and they pay, they they push this these interest smart contracts. You as an investor, you accrue interest on those on the on the pool shares that you own, tin and drop tokens. In case of a default, what happens is actually the asset originator continues to service these loans, which in this case actually means one of the hundred different borrowers in this pool of hundred real estate loans. For example, is suddenly not paying anymore. They go after them using the same legal tools that actually chase bank accounts. Like when you borrow from this pool, you pledge your house to this pool. There is a legal entity that it's called an SPV, special purpose vehicle, that has a claim against this house and you actually don't own it anymore. So they will do that um, and whatever, then force the liquidation of the house, so foreclosure. And actually then the proceeds go back into the pool and will de- be distributed to the investors. Making sure that you as an individual token holder, of a pool, pool pool token holder, actually in the end, get your money back. Now there's like several layers of redundancy that I could go into that I think we don't have time for now, but. Um, there's then like several backups, right? Like what happens in case the pool, pool operator doesn't, doesn't the, the asset originator is suddenly unable because they go bankrupt or because they're on vacation or they're just simply not cooperating anymore. But then there's a backup servicing company that the investors can effectively elect to say, oh, like this, again, like this is nothing new. This happens in traditional finance over and over, like not often, but it does happen. And we've, we have all these tools. Now it's just making sure that they're compatible with, with the fact that, instead of owning a stock certificate of this fund, you actually own a token.
0: This seems though it brings, as your video uh, on your website alludes to, that this brings more, I guess, opportunity to different people who want to do more with the assets, no matter what worth the asset is, to do more with them and leverage those assets to either do renovations, make their life better, do different things with their assets that you I guess most of the time, a bank won't touch or allow people to borrow against. Or do you think this is going to assist the rise of DeFi? And do you think that this is going to be the catalyst that grows DeFi over the next couple of years?
1: I think so. Ultimately, the way crypto will in, will influence people and will make their lives better is by like actually helping them in their daily lives, right? And the way you do that is by allowing them to get an education by borrowing by getting a student loan or buying a car about starting a business with a small business loan, right? And all these things. Now, today, there's kind of like this tech elite of people that know how to use crypto and use Bitcoin and maybe it's digital gold, but like in the end, right? Like most people, they need money to pay. They need need to be able to borrow money. They want to earn money. They want to transfer it. And borrowing money is actually very important here, right? Because ultimately, if you can borrow money, that gives you the opportunity to build stuff to do more, right? Whether that's a house or a business. And so that is, I think, the way that, That DeFi will have a positive impact. And on the flip side, actually, also, it's a way where where DeFi can make this significantly better.
0: I think we're going to go unscripted for the last couple. And this is unscripted. I'm going to take that back. Uh, The listeners, we've spoken about this. I don't know what he's going to say. He doesn't know what I'm going to ask. But I have a couple questions because I am... I've been in the the space for a long time, you know, uh, from from ICOs to NFTs to I've seen I just reported today about the whole Celsius thing. Um, And yeah, (laughs) we're doing (laughs) uh, Well, Celsius and people like Sam Binkman-Fried, Alice Mashinsky, and these kind of offerings have tainted the crypto space and lending protocols and so on and so forth. I want to ask a little bit about that in a minute. Actually, first I want to make a statement. Look, I I I agree with you. There, there needs to be a better way for people to use the assets that they have to better their life. And there's a lot of people that don't have access to the financial tools that are allotted to people with either more finances, you know, more net worth, uh, better connected, and so on and so forth. than, say somebody that is you know over in East Cleveland. And I, I use East Cleveland a, often in my examples because the average house in East Cleveland is around. Twenty six thirty thousand dollars $30,000. The average salary in East Cleveland is around $22,000. And so people that are working hard, but have a lower income with a lower property value are not given access to the financial tools to do the renovations, to do the business startup and so on and so forth. So I love this. But there are people that just are bad at paying back loans or, or don't have the responsibility and I'm not saying it's, it's a certain income level, it's of all income levels. How do you differentiate the subprime, and I'm, I'm using that word very liberally here, uh, subprime or ba- bad credit people from taking out loans and making sure that people are actually doing what you say? And that doesn't like cause a 2008, a crypto 2008. Also, how do we ensure companies don't take advantage of people that want a better life as well that aren't able to pay like 2008? So there's two things. There's the responsible yeah. and irresponsible repayers of these loans, uh, people that overleverage themselves, but also companies that prey on those people. How do we make sure that all of that doesn't become the same thing, and we have a 2008 crypto?
1: So I think I think the key point here is transparency. Well, so 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 to the first part, so to the second question, how do we ensure that like people don't take advantage? Um, I do think it's transparency. Like in 2008. What happened is no one really knew what was going on. Like literally banks couldn't tell what was in those in those like loans that were suddenly defaulting, or which house belonged to whom, or like that was that was a whole mess, right? Like there's always an off-chain component in with these real assets. But in the end, like the on-chain, the fact that these pools exist on-chain, you see the payments, you see the the, the distribution of the portfolio, each loan actually is an NFT that is tracked. That gives you this transparency that you need, that you know actually, okay, there's a house in here that's collateral and it's that's worth X and the other one's worth Y. And so therefore the pool is actually sufficiently funded or and so on, right? On the flip side, also, and this is really what what I believe strongly in is if if it's easier for you, if you see that there's this one loan shark in in your neighborhood, and they're just like, Charging 5% more than they need to, and they're pocketing all that money, right? The easier it is actually for you to come up with an alternative and say, oh, like I'm gonna actually launch my own pool and act and build a better alternative and try to sell this because I think actually East East Cleveland shouldn't be paying 20% interest, but actually probably 15% is enough, right? Then you can do that. The fact today is actually very hard. Like no one is all this data is very depending on which asset class, sometimes it's public, sometimes it's not, sometimes you can find it, but like really this is. This is like a lot of the this closely guarded information that like banks don't really want to get out, right? Um, so, so I think that is like one way that you can actually, by bringing this transparency to the market, you can make it much more interest, like much more much fair, because there's going to be competition, and these inefficiencies will be removed purely by the fact that like if you're not efficient, you're not going to survive because you'll offer worse prices, and someone will come and compete with you. On the repayment, I think what you have to be really careful about is that you don't build something that's worse than we have today. And occasionally it happens that um, large banks or lenders go bankrupt because they grossly misjudge the ability to repay or the value of an asset. Lending is something banks do every day. right? And I think they're doing a decent job at managing this risk. I think they can actually get a bit better, um, meaning they can probably um, become a bit more efficient because when you think of like how archaic, a lot of these systems are today, like there's probably a large room for improvement. But in the end, you need to make sure you set a high enough interest rate so that the expected defaults that you have in your portfolio of loans are lower than the interest you charge. Right. If you have 5% of losses and you charge 10% interest, then you're netting 5% interest. Right. So that's, that's how you, how you think about kind of all sorts of borrowing. You need to make sure you don't have systemic fraud, systemic, like Pick bad bad borrowers, but in the end, like if you pick the right rate, you you can lend to pretty much any business, right? The problem with Celsius and, and those is that they actually lend to businesses that like by any means like didn't really ex- exist at all. I mean, they did, but but in the end, they were like just all lending to <laughs> Anchor Luna, which ended up being like a uh, maybe not Ponzi in the strictest form, but but really like like something where there was no fundamental value behind it, right? Something where like last two years, everyone thought they needed to make 20%, and that was fair, when the reality was nowhere else were you making 20%, right? If you gave money to your bank, it, it doesn't make sense that you can give money to Celsius and they give you 20%, but then you give money to Chase and they give you 0%. Some Somehow there's an inefficiency here, or is either fraud here, or there's a, a huge inefficiency that at some point will go away. In the end, it was fraud, I think a lot of people predicted that, some, some people didn't, a lot of people thought it was safe or just wanted to believe that everyone was doing it, that's why they wanted to do it too. But the issuers that's reduced centrifuge, they have competitive rates, but those rates are based on fundamental value, not on like crypto speculation, right? And so rates in in centrifuge are somewhere between four and, and 10%, depending on whether you're doing US real estate or emerging market loans in India.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Last last question before we get out of here. And I appreciate you with um, answering the -the off-the-cuff ones. Uh, When you have conversations with people, especially with the ever-moving crypto space, uh, questions come up. And today, the 700-page, and this is January 31st that we're recording this. And today, the 700-page Celsius report came out from the Independent um, Examiner. And the independent examiner found that Celsius was market-making their own crypto token. And they were uh, selling it OTC, pumping the token, and then Alex and the executive team were cashing out millions of dollars of their own token. Uh, Essentially, everybody in the company knew it was worthless, but they kept on this practice. I guess my question to you is, look, you already have DAI. You already have the assets. You already have Ethereum. Why do you need your own token? And, and if you're going to do this for transactions and pay uh, transactions and gas fees and so on and so forth, uh, couldn't you just adopt something that already exists and remove yourself from having your own token? And then with the crypto space, again, people say transparency. It's, it's transparency is how we, but we already know that you can operate in an opaque business in the crypto space and claim transparency. There, there are still no guardrails or tr- checks and balances on these practices from repeating themselves in the crypto space. So I guess just to summarize again, why do you need your own token and why don't you just adopt DAI or F?
1: So, so we, um, I think you, you kind of got to the point of why we have our own token and what I think of like the centrifuge DAO now, because um, like I dream of like, Alice lending money to Bob as directly as possible, right? And that being facilitated by DeFi. But the reality is like, Alice is not a banker and does not have experience in the real estate market in Cleveland, Ohio. And thus, how would Alice actually decide whether like to lend to Bob or Charlie? No idea. So, so, so you need to build expertise and actually that's, that's the idea of like the DAO and that we're building and kind of like what we're using a token for is, and, and one of the first steps here was to launch um, the credit group, which was proposed and, and, and voted on and ratified kind of like more recently um, it's, it's a, a part of the DAO that consists of credit experts that are looking at these different issuers comparing to the market kind of like writing a report and educating token holders on what the risks are, whether this pool is actually run well, whether like it's too expensive or too cheap. Um, or the risk is kind of like priced appropriately as a as kind of like a, a way of managing or, or or kind of like managing risk in the protocol, right? Like so, so the the credit group serves as like one element that educates and gives token hold, token holders the ability to then decide whether like a certain pool should launch or not, Um and whether a pool is actually like a good product for users or not. Because in the end, as much as I know about finance, like I'd never trust myself to like actually invest in realist and pick and pick a house right that I would want to finance or like pick a bor- borrower that I want to finance, but I know that. Like if we put the right group of experts together that kind of like work on finding the right issuers and asset originators that there can actually, this can be done safely in a way that if I put 10,000 dai into that pool and I'm starting to earn interest on like this diversified portfolio of, of real estate, that that's like a, a good thing for me. And so that's that's the fu- that's the functionality of the token. Basically, the the, the DAO is funded then through... Um, Protocol fees, right? That the borrowers pay for for basically accessing the liquidity and accessing the protocol.
0: Lucas, I want to say thanks for coming on the show and uh, talking about your company, Centrifuge. Um, I think that creating easier ways for people to access capital is a very, very important uh, development of whatever sector, if we're talking about TradFi or DeFi. I hope that it, it works and I hope that we have good actors um, rolling this out because people do need this service so i I appreciate you appreciate you explaining this and thank you for your time sir
1: yeah thank you for having me
0: thank you for listening to this episode of gm you can reach me at matthew aaron that's m-a-t-t-h-e-w-a-a-r-o-n at decrypt.co that's dot c the letter c and o and if you want to check out centrifuge it's at centrifuge.io and until tomorrow happy hodling everyone